Hey everybody, just wanted to first give you a, a heads up that this was a first ever Political Notebook podcast recorded digitally through a digital call. So the audio might sound a little bit different. I think it's pretty good, um, but just so you know, it's going to sound a little bit different. Um, and I'll just do the, the intro here before we get, get into it. First of all, I just want to give a shout out to all the public servants out there making uh, government run in these, in these tough conditions, people making tough choices. Uh, I want to give a shout out to those with families uh, and, and loved ones who might be um, scared or, or maybe even sick right now, to the healthcare uh, workers and, and people who know workers, anyone working on the, you know, in the grocery stores and, and, and making our, our society run right now. Uh, thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing. We're all trying to do uh, the best we can. And of course, there's going to be debates and disagreements, but we are all in this together. On this episode, uh, we break down some of the economic dynamics of the coronavirus situation. Um, I get Robert Robb's response uh, to some of the critiques being made about the stimulus bill by libertarians and social democrats. He responds to some of those critiques in this episode. Um, I also uh, get his take on uh, the concept of universal basic income. Uh, and then we also talk about whether uh, the economy can and will it bounce back uh, after the virus uh passes. Also, um, off the air after we recorded, um, my, my dad's a big John Prine fan. And after we re recorded, I, I broke the news to him that John Prine's in critical condition right now. Um, possibly COVID-19 uh, diagnoses, uh, but he's struggling right now. So I asked him what, I asked my dad what, uh, for, for a song request we could play at the end. So at the very end uh, of this, I play a, a John Prine song that, that my dad uh, recommended for this episode. Hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to the Political Notebook. I'm Billy Robb. I'm a high school teacher. And I'm Robert Robb, editorial columnist for the Arizona Republic and Billy's dad. So the th first thing I want to talk about uh, on this episode is the bailouts um, or the stimulus or whatever you want to call it. The Congress just recently passed a, a two plus trillion rescue bill called the CARE Act. And the money is uh, distributed to corporations and, and small businesses, to, to states uh, for, for unemployment uh, increases and for, and for cash payments uh, to, to citizens. And it was interesting for me to watch the, the debate on this because you had uh, both libertarians and social democrats uh, or democratic socialists saying the same things, basically that that there shouldn't have been a corporate bailout. That since everything is basically on hold right now, that the best thing would be to just give the American people money to stay afloat um, <clears throat> and pay bills until things open up again. Uh, so, with with first question here, with such an unpredictable economic future, why give so much money to corporations uh, and businesses? rather than just empowering uh, consumers who are losing their jobs uh, at, a, at a rapid pace? Well, very little of the money that's set aside uh, for corporations is in the form of direct grants. There's some of that to the airlines. Um, the loans to small businesses can be converted to grants uh, if the money is used 
uh, for payroll, for rent, um, for utilities, basically what you have to do to stay afloat. And uh, the strategy, I mean, I've been critical of the entire uh, act, um, which I do think <laughs> tries to do a lot of things that either shouldn't be done or uh, are done in the wrong way. But uh, the strategy is to try to keep businesses alive during this period with their payrolls intact. So you reduce the extent to which there's increased unemployment and you have businesses more prepared uh, once we lift the shutdown uh, to get back to work and um, produce and, uh, and, and not have to rehire people because they had to fire them all because they had no business coming in. Well, I think maybe one of the concerns was that this might end up, and we don't know, but kind of restructuring what businesses are end up being successful and what models end up being successful, um, given that even if um, the restrictions get lifted, people's behaviors might change. So why, why, why use so much money to prop up just the current structure of, of businesses rather than saying like, hey, everyone, it's kind of, kind of unpredictable who's going to need this cash bailout. Just give the money to them, more money to them, maybe only give money to them, and then just let the free market take off from there, that the businesses that are, that are going to be successful will, will get, the, get the money from consumers. Well, again, I, I don't want to defend uh, the act, um, which I've been um, reasonably critical of, but the um, purpose is twofold. Uh, one, to try to keep jobs preserved so we don't have an increase in unemployment. Um, uh, and second, um, to provide uh, some kind of support for small businesses um, who uh, are having uh, the small business owners, the entrepreneurs that keep the economy going, uh, are um, through no fault of their own uh, looking at losing their business. So there's a bit of equity interest uh, involved in this particular strategy as well. And again, overwhelmingly, it is not grants. Uh, it is in the form of loans that have to be paid back. With respect to big business, uh, there's even a provision for the U.S. government. Uh, if it provides these uh, loans or uh, uh, provides direct grants in, in the case of the airlines, to actually take an ownership interest in the company. Now, that gives me the willies. Yeah. Um, but, um, we did do that in the bailout of the automobile, uh, industry, uh, and the federal government, it wasn't a precursor to nationalizing the car companies. Um, the U S government ended up selling the stock that it acquired as security for the loans that it was providing. So, um, while I don't think it was the right approach and I don't think it will be successful, in keeping small businesses alive and preserving jobs and quickening the uh, ability to recover once the uh, coronavirus uh, shutdown is lifted, uh, I do think that it, it that it was an improper motivation. It wasn't an example of uh, 
corporations using their political clout to get a bailout while the American people don't, as it was characterized um, during the housing bubble-related uh, uh, recession. Uh, and the grants to individuals are huge. Uh, everybody, I'm making under $100,000 if you're filing as a sig single, uh, under 200000 if you're filing as a couple, are going to get a check from the federal government, irrespective of whether you've had any income loss, loss as a result of the coronavirus shutdown. Additionally, um, very generous additional unemployment compensation payments are part of this. So um, I think certainly in terms of just the money that's given out, that's virtually all going to individuals. The loan programs are intended to protect the equity investments of small businesses, allow all businesses to try to keep their operations going and their workforces in place so that when the economic shutdown is lifted, the economy can, can recover more quickly. I don't think it will succeed in that objective, um, but I think that was the objective, and I don't think that there were impure political motives involved uh, in the way in which individuals versus corporations were treated. For the most part, the grants go to individuals, businesses get loans that have to be repaid. So why wasn't there, a, uh, there was one congressman, uh, Massey, making making a, a big thing about, about wanting people to go on record and be a, and be accountable for their votes. Uh, in the Senate, it was 96 to 0 uh, vote, but in the House, it was passed by unanimous consent. Um, why, why not, uh, if they had the votes for it, why not just take the vote and, and, and put your name to something that, that they believe in. Do you think Massey had a, had a point there and that he was making? Um, not in the circumstances. Uh, the, the thing would have passed overwhelmingly if, as, as there was a unanimous vote, uh, in the Senate, there would have been a near unanimous vote in the house, even though I think it is in many ways misdirected, uh, and wasteful. It's the overwhelming conclusion of Congress and the president that this is what we ought to do. Uh, and time is of the essence. Uh, and a recorded vote would have delayed uh, the relief that this bill is um, supposed to provide uh, by several days at a minimum. So while ordinarily I would sympathize with Massey's point in action uh, that the House should have had a chance to deliberate and and uh, craft its own uh, approach uh, comparable to the way that the Senate did over several days and lots of negotiations, and that people should be on the record. Uh, I, I think in this particular case, it was right um, for uh, the Republican and Democratic leadership to uh, override him. Uh, you also had the danger, perceived danger, of congressmen um, coming back in large numbers to Washington. Um, so um, since there was such an overwhelming consensus in this approach, I think short-circuiting it and only requiring enough people to come back to um, have a quorum. So uh, Massey couldn't also make the technical point of there being a lack of quorum uh, was probably the 
uh, it was a reasonable course of action. So that was just a third of maybe many actions that, that the Congress is going to do. Um, what would you say maybe is, was the, I mean, there's, it's too late now to go back and, uh, and change some of that, but what, I don't know, what, what would you like to see differently moving forward in terms of the relief that the U S Congress can, can do or, or what, what States can do? Well, the economic shutdown is going to cause a very deep recession among uh, low-skilled workers. And I think providing income support uh, for those who are unemployed as a result of the coronavirus shutdown uh, was um, the most important thing for Congress to do and acting quickly was important. It ought not to have been structured uh, so that a fairly large number of people will actually make more money not working than they were making working or could make at another job that they, might be available to them. But substantially beefing up income support for those that get unemployed as a result of this decision to shut down the economy was pressing and the right thing to do. The money that's given to those of us whose income hasn't been affected uh, I think is a giant waste. Um, stimuluses like that, one-time rebates, don't work as a stimulus even when the economy is fully open. Uh, but it's kind of hard to know who 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 has been. I mean, you could have you could have filed two hundred thousand dollars on your last um, income tax return and had your business shut down overnight by by this. So it's it's kind of hard to means test it in that way because you really don't know who's been seriously the, affected or not. But, but, but the grants aren't large enough uh, to, for the small businessman who's going to lose his business to save his business. It's just $1,200 um, per adult. Uh, and um, yes, you can't know now who's going to lose their job. But if you put the money into unemployment, then the money is directed at income support for those who are adversely affected by this economic shutdown. So, so you would have said ra rather than giving cash out, just, just beef up the, what you can get by filing for unemployment. But yes, not the, 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 the rebates are going to be $300 billion. And, and I think they're an economic waste. I, so I you're don't not, think they're going to stimulate the economy and, 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 in, and I don't think the loan programs are, are going to work either. I'm, I, I'm not necessarily objecting to them being there, but the only thing that's going to work is a switch in the public health uh, protocols to instead of shutting down everything for everybody, uh, focus on those that are um, in the vulnerable population. So you're not, if, on, you're it, not, you're it, not it, on the universal basic income bandwagon. Well, actually I am. Um, I, I, would support if we could dismantle the rest of the welfare state uh, going to um, a guaranteed income. Um, Milton Friedman first proposed that as a replacement for the welfare state back in the 1950s or the 1960s, and I have always thought that it was a good idea. But that's not what they're talking about here. They're just talking about almost like a stimulus, not they're not yes, replacing that with the with the welfare. Yeah, the, the, the purpose is is to try to give people money in hopes that they would spend it and keep the economy from falling as far as it's likely to fall. Um, but 
if the businesses that you most need to support are shut down, people can't spend it on that. And the track record of these kind of rebates, we've done it before, um, is that people don't spend the money. It's, it's, it's a one-time windfall and people tend to squirrel it away uh, rather than go on a shopping spree. So maybe like, maybe they'll catch some people who need it to like pay rent or, or pay groceries, but for the most part. But again, you could target, you could target that differently that, that based gotcha. upon a loss of job. So let's say uh, you started to talk about, you know, the only thing that can, that can help is restarting things. Um, we kind of talked about those, that, that question on the, on the last podcast, and we'll probably get into it eventually again here, but let's say that, um, you know, they say it's that the crest or the, the peak of the cases and hospitalizations will be about mid-April in Arizona. So you assume that if the projections are correct, they're still to fall after that. Let's say that we get that we get past this um, and, and things keep shutting down. And, you know, by, by May, um, we're starting to see numbers go down and, and, and things start to open up again. And then it's like June and July, there's still some cases um, we're probably going to still proceed with, with continued healthcare precautions, but, um, do you think even like, let's say we do see these, you know, businesses, some businesses closed, there's even a restaurant by, by my house and a bar that was op- set to open up that just didn't even open up like things like that. Do you think that jobs and businesses are just going to bounce back in the, in, in the same way? Like, is this just going to see like, okay, you turned off the economy for a while and we have all these side effects, and you can just turn it back on and things will bounce back to usual? Or do you think um, this this shutdown and this virus have fun, fundamentally reshaped the economy and, and people's, you know, consumer behavior within, you know, for the foreseeable future? I don't know about the latter, whether it will change behaviors in ways that will have long-term changes to the economy. I do believe, irrespective of whether that happens or not, Recovery will be slow. Um, Small businesses are going to have a hard time hanging on if um, this shutdown continues for months. And there's people that are talking about it going into fall. There's people talking about it lasting until we have a vaccine, which isn't expected for another year. Um, Businesses, small businesses will give up the ghost and and they will fail. Big business will survive because they either have deeper reserves or they can restructure through bankruptcy. You also have the odd element of the help properly targeted at those who are unemployed that creates the possibility that for a four-month period, uh, a large number of low-skilled workers can make more not working than working. So even if small businesses start back up, they might temporarily have difficulty attracting employees until the period of time in which low-skilled workers can make more money not working than working uh, expires. So I I think that you are going to see small business failures. So you're going to have to have new entrepreneurs uh, come to the forefront and start new businesses I think that because of the way the unemployment assistance was crafted, you will have a slowness in getting low-skilled workers back into the workforce. So I foresee, unless this thing gets lifted in a matter of weeks, not 
several months. Um, whenever the recovery starts, uh, it will be uh, very slow. Uh, it won't be okay. We're open to business. Let's go. Let's go back to the status quo ante. There will be a new period of having to develop new businesses and a new enticement to low-skilled workers to join the workforce. What's very sad about this is that we just recently have had an economy that was producing for those people, that was producing real wage growth uh, for low-skilled workers and creating competition uh, for, their, uh, for their labor. Um, and I think it'll be a while to rebuild that. So even if, like, even if, uh, let's say, people decided that we should sort of uh, go with the protect the vulnerable, um, keep social distancing, keep our precautions, but like go back to opening up businesses and things. It seems like there's just a lot of emotion around it and, and, uh, now, even like with opening up schools or something, like if, if you were to say, let's open up schools in May, um, after the, after the things fall for the last like month of school, there'd be a lot of fear and a lot of people like just wouldn't want to go back because of their own situations. And I would imagine like, if you just, if you just said, okay, bars are open now, there would still be like people not wanting to go there and you still have, so I, so I guess the, the, the question is like, how does like how do leaders and even like Andrew Cuomo was talking about this in, in, um, in New York, but like once it's time to transition, how do you convince people to, to do that? I mean, it, cause I don't, I don't, you know, some, some people maybe are like, Oh, it's no big deal. Let's just go back. But a lot of people are scared and they're fearful of their himself getting sick. They know like, they're not even, you know, they think maybe they have a, a good immune system, but you never know, uh, you know, and, and you never know who else you might give it to you by accident. And, you know, how, how do you expect, uh, how do you expect an economy to go back given this, this, you know, emotion and, and, and fear? Um, and, 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 you know, some would say it's a legitimate uh, fear. I think that's another factor as to why um, the recovery will be slow and not quick. I think you will have, as you described it, a degree of consumer reticence. Uh, also, when something like this occurs, uh, consumers uh, tend to begin saving more uh, and spending less naturally. Um, the question is whether, as you posed it earlier, uh, that is an enduring uh, sentiment that will cause a restructuring of the economy uh, where we dine out less, we go to bars less, uh, we save more, um, we order more things online rather than go into retail um, brick and mortar shops. Uh, we do more learning remotely. We do more working remotely. It's, it's possible that those will be enduring changes that change the structure of the economy. But even if they don't have those lasting effects and we ultimately get back to doing things the way that we used to be doing it, I think it will be a slow process for exactly the reasons uh, that you very articulately uh, described. Um, there uh, is a lot of anxiety and, and um, 
and I think it'll be a while before, even if things are opened up, that consumers will resume their previous pace of activity if they ever do. So last question here. There's no, there's no sports going on. Have you been watching any old school golf tournaments or how have you been feeling that, you know, the, the usual sports recreation um, watching in your life? Well, I, I did observe to a friend that, that this will be a giant experiment uh, to discover what the American male does without sports. Um, I, I have watched a um, just minutes of old golf tournaments. As, as you know, that's mostly my sports watching uh, activity anyway. Um, but I, I, I just can't get that interested in an old golf tournament. I know that you've been watching some uh, classic basketball. Yeah, there's some, uh, there's some debate on who the, who the best Suns team ever is uh, of all time. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm partial to the, to the 04 Suns, but um, after Joe Johnson smashed his face and then got traded, didn't really get to see their full potential. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can subscribe to The Political Notebook on any podcasting app. This is John Prine, Angels from Montgomery. I am an old woman Named after my mother My old man is another Child has grown
believing this living is just a heart. 